We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to Casual Friday. It has been a pretty short hiatus, but it's felt like forever. It felt like the airwaves needed us, needed the trio going here. Uh, I am here with the usual suspects, Mensa the Great, uh, Sean the Goat. I flipped it around. It's the same. It works either way because my two partners are two of the best in the business. Um, Let us start with a vibe check as we always do. Uh, let's go with, with my dog Mensa. How are the vibes Mensa? How you feeling? The vibes are actually, um, brand new, real newborn over here. Um, and the time that we've been out, me and my wife actually delivered a baby. We have a brand new baby boy, a brand hey. new man. So that's been awesome. Uh, haven't got much sleep. So <laughs> if I'm not my best today, I apologize. But all things considered, even though the Knicks got shellacked against Milwaukee, my my vibes are on an all time high. Uh, brand new love, brand new feelings. You know, just in a great space mentally, and I'm ready to get back to talking Knicks. That's amazing, Mensa. Obviously, we've we've all at, at your KFS family has told you congrats numerous times, but we can't say it enough. We're so happy for you. Um, just super amazing news. Uh, my one question is, can you now relate to some of the, the the claims that Josh Hart's poor start was due to having, uh, you know, young kids in the household? <laughs> is that, can, you, can you imagine that affecting one's oh. performance at work? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm glad I'm on paternity leave right now because my baby boy wakes up on the hour, like from midnight to like 6 a.m. He's up every hour on the hour. <laughs> However, terrible. I am a working class black man. Josh yes, Hart is a millionaire. Yes, sir. He's a decamillionaire, actually. He has a lot of money. <laughs> we all know how much the Knicks just paid him, so he can afford help. And I'm pretty sure between the hours of 10 and 6, he can get sleep. So I'm not sure he has the excuse, but anybody else <laughs> in my tax bracket, absolutely. If you're still working, <laughs> you're an insane human being. And I really feel sorry for you. You, you got to you got to make something shake because this look <laughs> the, the midnight hour. Yeah. Yeah. God is not turning it around just yet. 
I, I, I have to agree. I have to fully agree with that take. I, I got to say, if you are if you are in Josh Hart's position, some of these these things that apply to us uh, <laughs> normal folks may not apply to you. But yeah, I, I totally hear you. Um, I will go. I will go second. Actually, to switch it up, I'll have Sean go last. Um, on my end, the vibes are you know a little dispirited. I would say just thinking about the most recent Knicks game against the Bucks. You know, I, I didn't think that they would win that game going into it, but I thought it'd be a close game. I just, I just don't like how they lost it. Like, I think, I mean, I think the Bucks are going to light it up on most nights and their offense is really kicking into gear. And when they're clicking on all cylinders, there's not much you could do to stop them. I mean, obviously we all know the deal. They have Giannis, they have Damian Lillard, and they have a really good cast of, of supporting characters over there. Um, but I just feel like I don't, I mean, and I'm not the first person to say this. I have been harping on this for a long time. I just don't like how the Knicks sell out to protect the rim against teams like Milwaukee, teams that have a major interior threat like Giannis. And I just, I always say the same thing. It makes offense too easy for the opponent. Like I understand the idea behind it, right? Like, and if it's executed perfectly, it would work pretty well, but it's too difficult to execute perfectly. And I just think it's too excessive and exaggerated. So I'm, I mean, that that's the only thing that has my vibes a little more dispirited, but you know, on the whole, the Knicks season is going really well. And, um, I think I just got my hopes up to, 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 to see them <laughs> be the first in season tournament champion team and just see what that would do to social media <laughs> and ESPN <laughs> primarily. So not going to get to see it, but at the same time, you know, the season's going really well for the Knicks and, and they have bigger and brighter things in their future. So that's kind of where I'm at with my, with the vibes for me, Sean, how are the vibes on your end, man? So for me, the vibes are very clicky and not clicky. Like, you know, clicks, clicks and groups of people, but clicky as in Knicks for clicky, because there's been a lot on the timeline. There's been a lot of Knicks for clicks on the timeline Um, to echoing your sentiments. I was very disappointed in the game against Milwaukee. I too had got hyped that the Knicks could win the first ever IST. I had, I may or may not have had a bet at plus 2,200 for them to win the IST. Um, so, you know, my condolences. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's why it's called gambling. Um, <laughs> but you know, now we're, we're at the point where anytime the Knicks have a run of success and then they they trip up and handle you know they hit a pothole on the road to success um it is used to litigate the the, the state of the franchise the direction of the franchise and it's and it's by people who as i said yesterday on um on um the uh, um i hate sean space people for genders um and two narratives have have have, have begun to reappear again uh, one is that we don't have a star. And I like to thank a certain gentleman with uh, extreme male pattern baldness who appears on the four letter network for bringing that shit up. <laughs> today, or today, <laughs> yesterday. Um, and every time I hear him or anybody say, where's the star? We ain't got no stars. Where's the stars, Leon? That is a diss to Jalen Brunson because Jalen Brunson is a, is a star. Now I'll take a step back. For me, I realize people people use the word star and superstar interchangeably. For me, superstar is I am the you are the best player on a championship contender. And 
like Mensa tweeted out earlier, um, there's only seven or eight of those guys in the league. Okay. Then you have the guys who could be the number two or number three on a title contender. And those are your stars. I think, I don't think I'm going on a limb where we say Jalen Brunson can be a number two or three player on a title contender. I don't think that's a stretch, but I'm told that we don't have a star. And I got to read about, What's this dude's name? Sham Sharani is saying, like, hey, well, you know, the Knicks are there. Like, the Knicks are interested in a star. Like, breaking news, everybody. <laughs> one breaking news. The Knicks need a star you. player. Two, isn't everybody looking for a star? Like, everybody, but whatever. Uh, so, but like, yeah, it's just a distant Brunson. Like, shout out to NYK Terry on Twitter. He said, you know, if Kyrie, if Kyrie Irving had did the same things, he did the exact same things in a year and a half for the Knicks. Everyone say he's a star, but for some reason, Jalen Brunson, it's he doesn't get that same respect, and that's a slap. And honestly, and I'll say this: that's a slap in the face to to, to Julius Randle because guess what? Julius Randle's a star, whether you like it or not. Period. End of story. I don't know anybody who makes All NBA and is an All Star twice in three years and is a role player. Point me to that guy because that guy does not exist. So. We have two stars. Do we need a superstar? Yes. Okay. Second thing, and this one actually really grinds my gears. The narrative is about how we're stuck in the middle. And we're stuck in the middle because we didn't do a proper rebuild. Because, you know, there's only one way to build a team. Uh, Being miserable, like if you're miserable at at where the Knicks are, May I remind you, and shout out to Ray Marcano, because he reminded uh, us of this yesterday uh, on Wednesday on the on, on the KFS Town Hall, that the 2018-19 Knicks lost not one, not two, not three, but 18 games in a row. Did you remember that? I didn't. I must have men and blacked that out of my memory because I completely did. I completely forgot. How can we complain? about where this team is now when not even five years ago, we were 17 and 65 and we lost 18 games in a row. Now, what some of the narrative men out there and the agendas, um, they like to build a, uh, the straw man argument and, um, say things like, Oh, you're just happy with scraps. You know, you're, you, you're, 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 Oh, you're uh look at you being happy because this you're content with just be, you don't want to get any better. And listen, happy and content aren't synonymous. I'm happy where we are. That doesn't mean I'm content where we are. And that doesn't mean I'm content to be here forever, but I'm happy where we are. And I just have a really I just have a problem with for some reason the our franchise is characterized like when we stink we when we stink we're clowned when we're ascending we're clown when we make the playoffs we're clown when we win a playoff series we're clown it's like it's like we can't do ever do anything right unless you win the championship that's the only way you can get it right well guess what 29 other teams get it wrong all to get get it wrong every year. You know what's funny? The Sacramento Kings have a good young uh, nucleus, good players, whatever. I don't hear anyone yelling about they need to trade for a star. They can just be Sacramento, whatever. 
I don't hear anyone saying Sacramento's stuck in the middle. You know who's stuck in the middle? The Chicago Bulls. Or as I, as I tweeted today, the Chicago Bulls. They're stuck in the middle. They have nowhere to go unless they blow the whole thing up. But it's because, hey, we didn't do a proper rebuild. If we did a proper rebuild, we'd have had Halliburton. Do you realize that Knicks, if you let Knicks Twitter tell we should have on the team at the same time, Halliburton, Michael Porter Jr., Dennis Smith Jr., Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, um, who am I forgetting? Well, uh, Cam Reddish. Edwards, Cam Reddish, Anthony Edwards, Obi Toppin. Like, we should have had Obi Toppin and Halliburton at the same time. Right? <laughs> um, but, like, there's more than one way to build a team. Now, I know that XJ is he's team tank. He's absolutely team tank. And I and I understand that. But what I where I push back and I'm going to throw it to XJ in a second. Why I push back is so to, and I don't think XJ is like this, but there are people who act like tanking is foolproof. That's why, why I say they say a proper rebuild and they bring and they and they point to teams like Orlando because apparently Orlando has been Orlando's best player is better than all of our guys, even though he's been in the league for 15 minutes. And I look at them, and I say, would you have went through a rebuild for 10 years? Because a lot of people forget. They started over when the, with the Dwight Howard trade in 2012, 2012 offseason. And then they went and they drafted, let's see now, they drafted, they drafted Aaron Gordon number four. Um, is he on the team anymore? No. Uh, they drafted next year, the number five pick, Mario Hazonia. Is he on the team anymore? No. Uh, okay. Uh, DeMontis Sabonis. Uh, is he, he's not on the team anymore. Oh, hmm, whatever. Uh, 2017, number six, Jonathan Isaac. 2018, number one, number six, Mo Bamba. Uh, where is, oh, uh, where's my boy? Yeah, where 2014, 12th overall, Alfred Payton, baby. That's what. Alfred Payton. Alfred Payton. Um, I say that to say there is this idea, and we're here's well at there's this idea that like it's okay. You can you can have a preferred way of wanting to build a team. That's fine. But just because the team did not build the team the way you wanted to doesn't mean that they did it wrong. But the question I'll ask XJ and then I'll ask Mince is this. Because I get, I know your team tank, and I get it. Because as long as there's an incentive to tank, as long as there's an incentive to not win, teams are going to explore it. Knowing what you know now, if you could go back to March of 2020 and be Leon Rose, would you follow the blueprint that the Knicks followed, or would you say? Tank it, let it, let it go, um, and not necessarily not and doesn't doesn't have to be that you made every single move like you signed Elf and you brought in and you know and you brought in um, Kemba Austin Rivers <laughs> and yeah, but like if basically Mister Dolan said you have, okay you can either do t you can either just tank or you can follow this blueprint. What would you do for this team in this market, knowing what you know now? Well, knowing what I know now, I would say I would say what the route that they took was a preferred route over tanking. I think, I think that the thing is for me is that, as you said, tanking is not foolproof whatsoever. And anybody claiming that like, that's what needs to be done for any team that's trying to build a championship contender is, is wrong. Right? Like, I don't, I don't agree with that. The whole thing about tanking for me is that it's about probabilities for success. And in my opinion, if you are starting from scratch, we're bringing in a new front office. Um, you know, we don't have any stars on the team. We don't really have any like ascending stars on the team. At that point, 
you know, even if we, even if we did, if it was an aging star, depending on the age and things like that, um, at that point, it's like tanking is probabilistically probably the most effective way to get to the championship content contention, um, over the course of like three to five years. Now, the way that the Knicks did it was extremely effective. And I think that if they did, like, if we were to go back and look at some like imaginary counterfactual and they did tank, I don't think that would have worked out as well as what, how, how things have worked out now. I think how things have worked out now are better than it would have been if they tanked. But without that, you know, the, 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 the really nice thing about having this, this hindsight, um, I wouldn't have, I would have tanked just because I wouldn't know that, you know, what they did would have worked out better. But like at the same time, I'm just saying, I I don't think that there's any one way to build a team. I think that this is what I would go with just because I basically make all my decisions probabilistically. What do I feel like? Is this a 70% chance of happening versus a 40% chance of happening? I'm going to go with the 70% chance of happening. Like every time that doesn't mean that in 30% of uh, situations, that's not going to work. And in the other one, you know, in, in 40% of the situations, it is going to work. So who knows how things actually play out. Um, so that to me, that's where I land. And I think that the way that Nick's built the team wouldn't be how I built the team, but guess what, where we are right now is amazing and probably better uh, than we would have been with the alternative. So I love what they did. Um, I wouldn't go back and change it now. And I don't have any complaints. I think they're in an amazing spot. I think that they're in one of the best spots in the NBA in terms of the the assets that they have, the team that they have, the contracts that guys are signed to, um, all the various factors that go into it. I think that they're in an amazing spot, potentially top five through eight ish in terms of the NBA of teams I would want to be if I was just like trying to pick a team to be a fan of, um, you know, the Knicks would be in that group. So, so I, I love how it worked out. I don't think, I don't think there's any problems to that at all. Yeah. Um, with, with, I think that's a great way to put it as far as just where the Knicks are today and what they could have done. But I, I'd like to offer a different perspective on it all, which is who says the Knicks didn't tank the New York Knicks in 2019 picked third overall in 2020. They picked eighth overall. The Knicks had two top 10 players on their roster as recently as last year that they drafted themselves. And what is the purpose of tanking other than to grab a player early on in the draft, you want to get a high pick and then you want a play another high pick. The Knicks had two top 10 picks in the draft, right? Which to me is proof, not necessarily that tanking works if you are coming from a position of strength out of the tank, right? Like the New York Knicks. Okay, we technically came from a position of strength, trading Porzingis for a bunch of flotsam and getting two picks, one unprotected and one top 10 protected that still has not yielded yet, right? If you look at the Orlando Magic, everybody loves the Orlando Magic and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Those are two teams where everybody believes tanked the right way, right? Even the Sacramento Kings, what they had to do to get to where they are is they had to leverage a star player. Maybe not the Kings, but the Orlando Magic, they had to trade Vucci Main to the Chicago Bulls. And that's how they ended up with the pick that netted them Franz Wagner, right? Look at the um, the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Oklahoma City Thunder had to trade. Um, they didn't know. It wasn't the Russell Westbrook trade. They had to trade Paul George. And that's how they got Shea Gilgis Alexander, right? So... The Knicks, if you look at teams that were unsuccessful in their tank, you want to talk about those mid-teens, um, 
Orlando Magic. You want to talk about the the mid-teen Sacramento Kings? They were just bad, and they kept picking bad. Well, they kept picking high, and a lot of those players were bad. The thing about tanking that makes it successful is you need as many swings at the bat as possible because all tanking gurus will tell you that the draft is a crapshoot. So if you are a Knicks fan or a fan of any basketball team and you think that the way to tank is just to have high picks, I'm here to tell you that you're wrong and you have it ass backwards because you need to leverage the current assets on your team, whether it be draft picks, whether it be um, highly valued basketball players, and you need to use those to get better draft picks or more draft picks. If you look at how look at how the um, the Utah Jazz, how they kickstarted their their tank, they traded Rudy Gobert for four picks and they traded Donovan Mitchell for three picks and two unprotected swaps. That is how you tank. You don't just tank by being bad. You tank by being bad and having two more picks so that you can, like the New York Knicks did, which actually spearheaded their tank, if we want to talk the truth, in when we traded Marcus Morris and we got the 25th pick, well, the 23rd pick in the draft, traded that for the 27th and then traded back up for the 25th pick. And that turned into a manual quickly, right? If you look at a guy like Quentin Grimes, Quentin Grimes came by way of a draft pick that we got from the Dallas Mavericks, having more swings at the bat. That is how you tank. So if you think the Knicks did not tank, then you truly, then maybe you don't understand what tanking actually is. Tanking is again, not just being bad, but using the current assets on your team to turn those into draft picks so that you can get more cost control assets down the line. And if you look at the New York Knicks roster, we have cost control Quentin Grimes. We have cost control Emmanuel Quickly. We have cost controlled RJ Barrett. All of these guys, when we say cost control, we mean because when you are drafted, you have up to nine years of cost control because you get that first four years in the first round and then up to five more years on that second contract, either through um, restricted free agency or a contract extension. That is how you tank in the NBA. The New York Knicks, if you look at their roster, did follow some of those principles. The Knicks took a hybrid model and you can say it was a half measure whether you want to or not. But however, but at the end of the day, they got two-time All-NBA, two-time All-Star Julius Randle off the street for nothing. They went and got All-NBA level, All-Star level point guard Jalen Brunson off the street for basically nothing, for second-round picks and a couple uh, and more flotsam because they had to clear cap space. That is excellent work. The New York Knicks have done excellent work to build the team to where they are because they have cost-control assets. They have two stars who are making about half of a max contract right now. And then they have all these picks going forward. They have the Milwaukee pick. They have the Detroit pick. They have the Dallas pick. They have the the Washington pick. They have a bunch of second round picks and they still have all of their first round picks. So the New York Knicks are loaded to do business with whoever they want to do business with. And like um, like Sean was alluding to earlier, I had a tweet and I was speaking about how the New York Knicks. These are the players that the New York Knicks um, if they added, would make them a title contender. You're talking about guys like Giannis, like Steph, like LeBron, like um, maybe maybe Devin Booker, like John Morant, like whoever you think that guy is, that superstar is, that's the list, right? A bunch of superstars. And if you cross-reference that list with available players who will make the New York Knicks um, a, a championship contender, there are no available superstars that will make this team by themselves a title contender. So the Knicks are right to be sitting on the powder. I mean, obviously, they're going to have to shit or get off the pot at some point. But right now, up to this point, the Knicks have played their hand about as well as you possibly can. This is a team that has all the assets to get a star and can be, and we can expect to see them again in the top, in the, um, in the final eight. I would say the, um, I would expect them to win at least. I well, I personally expect them. I would expect them to win a playoff series. So this is a team with no superstar, 
that we can expect to win at least one playoff series this year, and they still have all this leverage going forward. So to take issue with the New York Knicks um, building, yeah, there are things they did not do right, of course, but nobody bats a thousand in this thing. Sam Presti does not bat a thousand. Whoever you whoever you think the the best guy is, John Hammond down in Orlando did not bat a thousand, right? All these guys made mistakes along the way, but it's the it's the the ability to hit where you need to hit, hit the double, hit the triple, hit the home run. The New York Knicks have the ability to do that. And because they didn't swing at Donovan Mitchell and because they didn't trade everything for Carl Anthony Towns and because they don't want DeMar DeRozan, bro, like because they don't want these guys, that doesn't mean they're not bad. They're not doing a good job. And I think we need to take a step back. And personally, one of the things that, that I bring to the table here at Knicks Film School is just the, the recall understanding what it takes to build a championship team and how everybody got there. The New York Knicks have taken a hybrid model, but if you look at how everybody gets to where they're going and what the Knicks are doing, the Knicks are on the right track. And we can that could be a different podcast for another day, but I have zero issues with what the Knicks have done. And I personally would have made one or two moves differently, but that's because I'm a different human being and everybody will do things differently. That's just the way this world works. So yeah, I'm very pleased with what the Knicks have done and I'm happy to see where they take this thing because I think the next 12 to 18 months are going to be really pivotal. And I think that there's a lot of runway for them to make good decisions. Hey, one thing really quickly. <clears throat> so the poll, when... It wasn't so. Yes, OKC because that's a team that everyone, the the tanker truthers and the worst stuck in the middle, they love to point to OKC and they did it the right way. To your point, number one, they had a player that was able to give them more assets and trade in Paul George for say Gildas Alexander. But let's take a step back even further. Why did they have Paul George? They traded Demontis Sabonis and Victor Oladipo, two young players. For a guy who everyone knew wanted to play in LA, who was on had the was on the last year of his contract. Can you imagine this fan base? Like, can you imagine if this fan base who cries about like the the, the people who cry about Cam and cry about OB and cry about this guy and get a shot? Could you imagine? Do you think they would have sat down and watched them trade Demontis Sabonis and Victor Oladipo? One was on his rookie deal. One might have been on his second deal or he's getting close to it for a guy had that one year left of his contract. See, those are the things that we forget that we leave out. We just think like we just look at the end product because we don't follow this team. We don't follow Orlando. We don't follow OKC. We just look at the end product. It's like, hey, why didn't we do that? Right. But, you know, there's a lot. There's a There's just like I'm just tired of this. Like, dude, like, like we are where we are. We could be better. Yes, it could be better. It could be a lot worse. Like we're f- like we're in a good place. That's the biggest takeaway. The Knicks are in a very, very good place. And they'll let anybody on any four letter network or any single letter um, social media app tell. In fact, I'm going to give a shout out to Sean. I hate Sean again because he said people who listen to people, people who listen to opinions about the Knicks that don't watch the Knicks is stupid. Like you're listening to somebody talk about the Knicks who does not follow the team. It doesn't matter if they're on TV or they're on a social media or anywhere in between. That's absolutely ridiculous. Don't be those. Don't be one of those people. Yeah, I think that's super well said by both of you. And, and, you know, just to, to crystallize some of these points, the Knicks are definitely in a great place. I don't think that's arguable. Like if anybody's saying the Knicks are not in a really good place as a franchise right now, 
they're either either hating or lying or they just are confused. There's no other options, honestly. I I think it's objectively the case that they're in a really good place as a franchise right now. Um, and they got they got here by not doing a full tank. As Mensah makes a, a compelling argument that they there was some, some tanking principles applied to to you know to what they've done recently. But you know, I, also as you said, Mensah, you know, tanking is really a process where you want to get multiple high picks because the draft nothing's guaranteed in the draft. It's close to a crapshoot. And so you need to get, you know, multiple top five picks to have a better chance of hitting that one pick. And we've seen teams tank and all the teams that have tanked have not been, you know, batted a hundred or uh, sorry, batted, you know, a thousand on, on, on those picks. So all of that is extremely well said. Um, We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Here on Casual Friday, we're going to move over to, uh, you know, one of our, our fun segments that we do now. We do not give out game balls. Instead, we give out shout outs. Um, you know, each of us are going to pick something or someone in the Knicks world to give a shout out to. Uh, it could be anything. It could be a player. Um, it could be anything that our hearts and minds come up with. Mine is probably going to be a little off off the wall, but uh, I'll save mine and 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 kick it. Actually, I'll kick it right back over to Sean to to. to start out you have your shout out for the week yeah i'm, I'm gonna keep mine simple and i'm, I'm gonna give my shout out of the week to julius randall um julius randall against arguably the best defensive four or five combination in the league scored 41 points on 19 shots he scored 41 points on 19 shots. Um, there was concern about, you know, I'm listening. Everyone knows the stories about Randall and, and, you know, the past and everything like that. But, um, he was, so I was watching that game. I was actually out with coworkers, but I was watching the game and excuse me. And, you know, Julius has changed his shot diet from the, that we hear season. It's basically either in the paint or threes. And he basically got rid of the long twos. And anytime, it's funny because during that we hear season, whenever he took whenever he took that step back long midi from the baseline, you knew it was cash. And then ever since then, every time he takes that step back long midi, you're like, no. Um, so I have a little PTSD about that. But when I saw him hit his first two uh, first two midis, I was like, OK, we're, we, we are cooking because we have that guy. 
if you have that guy, it's going to be a very long night. And yes, it was a very long night because the Milwaukee Bucks shot a free throw percentage in non-garbage time minutes from three. But listen, it was in a game. And you know what's funny? We crush certain players that don't do it in big games. And I always feel like the definition of big game is that is whatever you want it to be to help your argument. Listen, I'm not going to say Tuesday night was a playoff game, but that was a winner go home game. Like our tournament was like you lose and you're out. And he scored 41 points and 19 shots. So I, I'm going to give Julius Randle shout out for this week. Yeah, I got I mean, I have nothing bad to say about Julius for how he's been playing. So, you know, recently looking back in all NBA form, I mean, honestly, to me, the the Raptors game that that he performed in was even better in terms of his court vision, his decision making. Um, He just seemed like totally in control of that game. And, you know, that performance, the the 41 point performance was also like tremendously efficient. seemed like he could kind of do whatever he wanted to get to all of his spots. So Julius has been absolutely balling and is full fully back into the kind of all NBA uh, stature for, for, for Julius Randall. So I, I, I well-deserved shout out. I don't know if you want to add anything mental or, or drop your shout out. Look, if you didn't shout out Julius Randall, I was going to, um, I'm a known vocal skeptic of Julius Randall. Um, my pain on Julius Randall is all over the internet. Um, I think he's been excellent. I think he's been great. I think he has, rounded into form to the guy that we all know he is, which is the all NBA power forward Julius Randle that is much maligned because he has such high highs and as high as those highs are, those lows are just as low. Um, and he still has his little brain farts and everything once in, um, during the game. But again, he's not a perfect basketball player. This isn't Nikola Jokic we're talking about. This isn't Steph Curry we're talking about. This is your regular run of the mill, all NBA basketball player, whether we like it or not. And he's been completely in control these past few games and I'm very proud of him. I'm very happy to see him go and I hope that he continues to keep it up because we're going to need him. This team needs Julius Randle and as long as he's going, we're going to be all right. Uh, Just to roll into my shout out, I want to shout out the other New York Knicks, the second Knicks who is maybe, well, top three maligned New York Knicks this season. Uh, A guy by the name of Josh Hart, um, Mr. Mr. Breast Milk himself. I want to shout him out because... (laughs) He's been he has found his game um, in that in the in the past games, he's been really good with the rebounding, with the scoring. I don't have his numbers in front of me right now, but I just remember coming away very impressed with the way Josh Hart is playing um, early in the season. A lot of it was the the ambivalence to shoot um, and just not be the apprehension, I should say, to shoot and all of the the starting ahead of, you know, Quentin Grimes or starting out of Emmanuel quickly and getting all these minutes where it's like, he's getting 39 minutes and quick is getting 22. And we're like, what is going on? A lot of that isn't Josh Hart's fault. A lot of that is the coach's fault and he's been really good. We're seeing why he has unfortunately supplanted Emmanuel quickly as the sixth man on this basketball team. Unfortunately, because I'm an Emmanuel quickly lover, I will always love Emmanuel quickly, but Josh Hart's been great. He's been really good. And if he's playing like that, as long as everybody else around him is doing what they need to do, the Knicks are going to win a lot of games. So I want to shout out Josh Hart this week. I think that's a great shout. Uh, You know, it might surprise some people to know over his last six games, Josh Hart is shooting 53% from three and 62% from the field overall uh, to go along with six rebounds and, uh, and two assists. So he's, he's, he's really turned it around because to start the season, 
it was really close who was worse, Josh Harder or Quentin Grimes. Like it was not clear which one was having a worse impact on the team between those two. Um, now, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, it's very clear that it's not Josh Hart. <laughs> um, Josh Hart is Washington it, Lee guys. We have an answer. The jury is back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thankfully, I can say uh, we have cleared this one up. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, I definitely love that shout out. You want to add anything to that to the Josh Hart conversation, Sean? Because I, I, I know I just want to say I, I know you're not the biggest Josh Hart supporter and not because you don't like who he is as a player, but for some of the ways that he, he's been kind of dispatched by this team, by the coaching staff and the way that the ways that he's been treated. Um, so I don't know if you want to add anything. Look what happens when you take open threes. That's all. <laughs> Look what happens when you do what the offense tells you to do. <laughs> It makes a big difference. It makes a, you know, it could be argued. It makes all the difference. Who knows? Um, For my shout out, uh, I'm going kind of off the board, kind of off topic, but it's casual Friday. You know, we can do stuff like this. It doesn't matter. Uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, Toronto Raptors fans. Yes, sir. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So Toronto's Toronto Raptors fans were all personally in my replies and mentions, uh, you know, in the days before the Knicks Raptors game, specifically to try to dunk on me about a Grimes and Barnes comparison that I made last year. Um, I mean, obviously, I, I want to say this first. They all miraculously disappeared after the Knicks spanked them and dismantled them in, they went. <laughs> in the second half of that uh, game in, in at Scotia Bank Arena. Uh, they, they they all scattered like roaches. It was crazy. I couldn't find them. Um, but I also want to say, like, I. I Quinn Grimes had a better year than Scotty Barnes did last year. Like, that's just true. I like it doesn't mean anything about their long term trajectory as players or who's going to be a franchise guy or any of that stuff like that just happened. That's a thing that happened. I'm sorry if it bothers you that the Knicks 25th pick in the draft had a better third year than your fourth pick in the draft. Like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Same draft, same exact draft. Um, So cool. Barnes has taken a huge leap this year all power to him. His defense is, his, has been uh, amazing. You know, his shooting's been un- unsustainably good, but you know, he's taken a huge, he's taken a huge leap and Grimes is obviously sputtering and, and struggling to find his place. Um, but I'm not sure why this is being celebrated as like Raptors fans, biggest achievement since, since KD tore his Achilles. Like it, this is, this doesn't make sense to me that like, we're so excited. Let's latch onto this strange, like 25th pick versus fourth pick comparison. Like it's, it's the most bizarre thing to me. So I I don't get it. Shout out to Raptors fans. I don't know why they all went MIA. Like I I was waiting for all 50 of the ones who have been uh, just constantly sending me (laughs) replies to come back, but I couldn't find them. Um, So yeah, I just, you know, I, I I wanted to, I wanted to leave the, the, the two clearly deserving Knicks uh, players to you guys to give the shout outs to. And, and for me, I just would wanted to roast Raptors fans because they're hilarious to me. So that's where I'm there are a bottom five fan base in the league and i stand on business when i say that uh they're actually they're actually very similar to the knicks fans because they are very very passionate about their team but they can go a little bit overboard they're just they're just nicer people but then until they 
until you cross them. But um, listen, I actually want to give a shout. I got a few Raptors fans that I know. Shout out to Jess. Shout out to Santa Rosa. Shout out to Zazu. Um, they do. They, shout out to Keaton. They they're cool. I I, I uh, shout out to Kevin Kevin F. Like they're cool. Um. Although I don't know if Kevin F's a Knicks fan or Raptors fan. I can't tell. It's just me either. It's my guy, though. Yeah, shout out to him. But yeah, they are. um, Listen, I I tell them all the time. um, Just tell let me know when you're building a statue of Greg Popovich outside the Air Canada Center, because he is the reason why (laughs) you have. The gravitas that you have to walk around with your heads held high, dumping your chest because Greg Popovich thought he was sending Kawhi Leonard to the wall. So, you so yes, listen, hey, look, hey, look, luck is when preparation meets opportunity, and they were prepared to take advantage of the opportunity that was presented to them. But as I always say, the process is more important than the result. And can you repeat that process again? That is that's well, it looks like it looks like besides been trying to repeat is it, like, I'm just going to wait for someone to trade me another star and, and for yeah, some dollar. Yeah, absolutely. And here we are. I'm just waiting for another idiot. <laughs> I will worry, hold on to my players and lose them all for nothing until someone trades me a star. Someone trade me a damn star for free. I don't care. <laughs> all I want to say about the Toronto Raptors is Scotty Barnes is so good. You are still outside the club. You are in 11th place. <laughs> <laughs> looking at everybody else. So <laughs> they probably left your mentions because they realized they were outside of the club and went home because it got cold outside. I know it gets cold in Canada, guys, but just like how Toronto was outside of the United States of America, the Toronto Raptors are outside of the club. All right. So <laughs> when you guys can get in the club, we will have some more conversations. Absolutely. I think that's I think that's extremely well said. And and, and I, I do want to clarify because because Sean, you made a good point. Not this is this is not painting all Raptors fans with a broad a broad brush. There are some obviously many cool and chill and great Raptors fans and uh, fans of every fan base. And, you know, I think I, I speak for us all when I say we love Toronto, the city. Uh, you know, it's a great, great city, super fun, super, um, you know, lots to do entertainment diversity. It, it's it's a great play so shout out to toronto like for real but shout out to this these raptors fans that have been in my mentions like not for real though <laughs> um and uh yeah let, let's move on for our next segment we like to call it why so unserious um so for this segment we you know we make our choice of of who around the knicks has been most unserious since our last casual friday and our last casual friday was a while ago. Was it a month ago at this point? I don't know. It's been a minute since we've been back. So um, there's a lot of options, you know, to, to, to choose from. Uh, I, I think we should let's just start with, uh, with with you, Mensa, on this one. You want to you want to kick us off? Um, I got to go with my dog, man. I got to go with my dog here. RJ Barrett, why are you so unserious? You are breaking wow. the hearts of a million stands on Twitter right now, myself being one. Um, I don't mind the process at all, but since he's come back from migraine and I know there's been like one or two articles floating out there that maybe he's not 
all the way back. But the same way I got on Julius Randle for coming back too early from the the ankle injury, the same way I'm going to get on you, RJ. Um, that's not an excuse. You're playing basketball games. the The process has been good, but you gave us glimpses of a three level scorer of a guy who put it together the same way he had it together during the playoffs, and now the jump shot has left. Now we are not getting to the rim. The defense has been good, and I'm proud of you for that, brother. I'm very proud of you. But we need the shot to fall again. I'm encouraged because the free throw shooting has not gone away. Still making shots at the free throw line, which is a pretty good trend. So I'm sure the jump shot's going to come back around. But we need it to come back around a lot faster because there's a guy in the front office by the name of Leon Rose, and he's not bullshitting. He is going to trade somebody at some point, and I don't want it to be you, my brother. So I need you to get it together because there are a lot of other guys on the team right now, young guys who don't have it together, but they're not my guy the way you're my guy. So I need RJ Barrett to be a little more serious, hit some jumpers. Let's get back to the line. Let's get back to doing the things that made me an insufferable human being on Twitter. I need him to get back to that. <laughs> so I can go back to terrorizing the timeline. That's all I got to say about that. Yeah. I, I, I was going to, I'm not going to lie. That, that was where I was going to go with it. So I, I was surprised to see you go that direction. Happy it came from me. <laughs> I'm proud of you. I was going to say, I'm, I'm proud of you and I'm happy it came from you. Honestly, I would have, I would have much preferred it come from you than from me. Um, but I, you know, I will say just to add some context, cause you know, you made all the, all the, the correct points over the last eight games since RJ has been back from migraines. Uh, he's averaging over 20 points per 36 minutes, but it's a, he's shooting a brutal 20, uh, 35% from the field and 25% from three. Yikes. And uh, furthermore, he's averaging 2.7 assists to 2.4 turnovers per 36. It that is that is that's not going to cut it. Like you said, the defense has still been there. Um, and that's really encouraging because we've seen at some points, you know, in past years when the offense goes, the defense goes. Um, that hasn't been the case so far this year. And he's still he's still feasting in transition, which has been great. And like you mentioned, he's still shooting 86% from the free throw line over the last uh the last eight games. So, you know, he's still putting pressure on defenses instead of still hitting his free throws. So he still has value and utility. It's not like you're like this guy is is killing us and needs to come off the court. Um, but yeah, I, I, I you know, obviously I, I didn't think that his huge leap in shooting would really sustain like that just because it was such a ridiculous leap. Like no one would sustain that. But I do think that he can shoot 37 percent for the year. And, and, and I'm just hoping that he gets back to that because they need a shot making. I think I really think they need a shot making a lot, especially if he's going to share that spend so much time on the court with both Brunson and Randall. So, yep, uh, I think that's a that's, that's a, a great a great call there on so on serious Sean you want to add anything about RJ no I mean it sucks because uh first of all um Frank Miranda aka Frank from Patreon is absolutely hilarious because uh in the in the post game in the post game after the Bucks game his comment he he left a super chat and he was like where are all the RJ booty clappers after after the first seven games have all disappeared and I'm like, this dude's a menace. Oh, man. Um, but yeah, listen, like, it's just like, why can't we like, why can't we just get like 25 games in a row of good of that RJ Barrett? And he wasn't like, I don't need you to be a superstar. I don't need you to like, but I, why can't we? It's just, it's so frustrating. Like every time we think he turns a corner, something like last year, 
um, la- not last season. Yeah, last season. He was playing well, and then um, because Luca doesn't want to cut his fingernails, and he slices his finger, and he's out for a few games and comes back, and then he struggles. So, like, I just wish he just could just get a run of, like, I just want to see, a, like, why can't, I just want to see R.J. Barrett be in contention for Eastern Conference Player of the Month. Not of the week, for the month. Like, you know what? Your play this month has been so good, we're going to nominate you for this award. Um, so, yeah, that's all, that's all I got on R.J. Yep. No, I think, I think that's fair enough. Um, uh, I think, yeah, I'll go, I'll go next on why so in serious. I think it's just really appropriate because, you know, Mensa, Mensa called out his guy, just got to keep it real with his guy. And, uh, for my, why so in serious, I'm going to call out my guy, keep it real with him. Emmanuel quickly gets my, why so in serious, um, you know, similarly to how RJ has been performing over the last seven games quickly, uh, is shooting 37% from the field, still a solid 36% from three, but you know, not as effective as far as like being a creator, not as effective as a scorer. um, kind of looking like a high volume, not high volume, I wouldn't say, but a, a mid range volume scorer, and, and not having the same impact that he's had on defense, which we all know has become his calling card. He's been a little up and down defensively. Um, EPM has him as a, as a minus 0.8 on the year for defense, which would be 40th percentile in the NBA. Uh, for context last year, he was a plus 1.6, which would have been 93rd percentile in the NBA. So that's a really, 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 really large drop off in terms of his impact on the defensive end, obviously a small sample, um, you know, some noise in the data there, but I do think that the, that reflection, um, is is more or less accurate in terms of the, his impact defensively um, has not really been there. We've still seen quickly do quickly things like making up for his teammates mistakes and, and kind of s- somehow miraculously appearing in the right place, even though he wasn't, didn't seem like he was in the play at some point. So we still see glimpses here and there, but on a consistent day to day, night to night basis, he is, has not been as solid. He's made some bad decisions um, and he doesn't seem as locked in defensively. It seems like he's trying to show that, He's a scorer. Um, you know, he can light it up like like a guy, you know, like his old college uh, uh, teammate, Ty, uh, Maxi. And uh, I just don't I don't want to see that from quickly. I want to see quickly do what he always does, impact the game without needing to have the ball in his hands. And when he does have the ball in his hands, the things that I have liked is that he has been one of the most effective creators out of the pick and roll. And that is something he's going to have to do to get his contract that he wants. He is going to have to show that he can manipulate a pick and roll very effectively. And he's done that so far this year, but I need to see the other parts of his game pick up because a big part of it is, can you do all these things offensively while maintaining your defensive impact? while maintaining your off ball impact for a guy like quickly, you have to do all of those things because that's the way you get to uh, the territory of like a Derek white who does all of those things. He hits his threes. He can handle the ball. He plays tremendous on ball defense and plays tremendous off ball defense and at all times. And if you're going to be a guy like that, you have to be able to maintain it on both sides pretty much at all times. And I just don't think quickly has done that consistently this year. And especially over the last seven games, he hasn't really been shooting the ball well. So it's been a little more glaring to me. So for me, I'll give it to my guy. Why, uh, my why so in serious to Emmanuel quickly. I don't know if either of you have thoughts on quickly's performance of late. 
Yeah, this has been a heartbreaking segment because we just got to take our guys to task. This is not, been, <laughs> it's not what you want. Um, not what you want. I agree. Emmanuel quickly hasn't been his best. Um, I like I mentioned earlier, he's been supplanted as from the sixth man to seventh man. I'm not sure how much of that is just coach preference, coach bias, or if it's just merit because he hasn't been that great as of recent. Um, it's been. It's been, um, he got off to a great start to the season. He was playing really well. We were all behind quick. We were happy to see quick. We were happy to have him on his team because he was the quick that we remembered. And he's just hit a rut in the season. Again, a lot of, a lot of having a team as young as the New York Knicks is learning to be okay with the ups and downs. Right now, RJ Barrett's having a down. Right now, Emmanuel Quickly's having a down. Right now, Quentin Grimes is having a down. Right now, quietly, but truly Mitchell Robinson is having a down. Um, it's, it's, it comes with the season. It's an 82 game season. It's a long one. We are 20 games of the way through. So right around 25%. Um, it's just not, these guys need to be better. They do. Emmanuel quickly specifically was such a huge part of what we did last year. In my, by my estimation, he was the third best player on the team. And the reason why he was the third best player on the team is because every night he was the second best player on the team. The first best player may have been Julius or may have been Jalen, but always consistently Emmanuel quickly was the second best player on the court for the New York Knicks this year. His, his impact have really, we haven't really felt it. I don't know if it's just like, I really don't know why I can't, I can't say why. All I know is that his minutes are down. Maybe the DiVincenzo addition has done more damage than we are willing to to, conve- to, to convey, to say, because Quick, is, Quick hasn't been playing great. Grimes hasn't been playing great, and they've lost their minutes to Josh Hart and Dante DiVincenzo. But I do want to see these guys get better because the New York Knicks can't do anything without Emmanuel quickly being better, whether that means getting a good player back in a trade, Emmanuel quickly would be a big part of that. And if he's not playing well, that lessens his trade value or just winning basketball games because Emmanuel quickly is, by my estimation, a top 60 basketball player. And when he's at his best, he is absolutely that. And right now he's not. So we need him to pick it up. We need him to pick it up. Just there's no getting around it. Yeah, I'm listen, I'm. I remember last year he was struggling in the beginning to start the season. And then the I'm old enough to remember the Emmanuel quickly trade rumors flying around last year. And then a few months later, he was skipping around the TD Jake Center after dropping 38 points. So I'm not worried about him, but, you know, I'll take it. We should be taking a task, uh, you know. I saw um, uh, Steph Bondi from the New York Post, formerly the Daily News, had an article today about how Grimes was untouchable in the trade and yada, yada, yada in the, in the Mitchell trade. And the high headline of the article was uh, Nick's poor roster construction. I said poor roster construction. And I actually, you know, I did what 95 percent of people on social media don't do. I actually read the article and it mentioned about how, you know, when you get a they getting rid of Obi and replace him with DiVincenzo created a log jam at the guard position. And while it is a log jam, um, I've also because I watch soccer in in soccer and in, in European soccer, it's very commonplace. To like you could have a really good starting 11. You want to bring in as many people. Each position is good that are good. You like you bring in someone that you hope is as good as the guy who's a starter. And the term that they use is fight for your place, because the last thing you need is to be complacent. And those guys. Um, like 
Grimes, Quickly, RJ, like there are veterans behind you that all went to the same school that will take your place. That'll make you fight for your place. Um, I actually think that's a good segue into my why stone series and my why stone series goes to Quentin Grimes. Um, now we all heard what we all heard what, what was said and I will give him a give a shout to John who pointed out that, you know, it's kind of ridiculous to say that you're afraid to get pulled from a game when you took one shot, like no one gets pulled from a game because they took one or two shots. Like that's not happening, but I did give him some grace and I thought about it and I said, you know, we've all played basketball and we've all been in a situation where you're, it's like you and your boy and you're playing pickup and you don't, and you, and you, and you get picked up by this other team of three guys and don't know each other. And they're just freezing y'all out. They just pass the ball amongst each other. And then you're just like posted up in the corner or you're just like, under, like you're in a dunker spot or whatever. And then you get, they pass you the ball once because the point guard got triple teamed. And then you take the shot and you miss, not badly, but you miss. And then you don't see the ball for the rest of the game. And then you're like, yo, what's up? And it was like, yo, I passed you the ball. And he's like, yo, I literally touched the ball once in like 40 minutes. Like, that's not realistic. Like, so I gave him some grace um, in that in that perspective. And then I did some digging. Then I, just, then I looked, looked up some numbers. Quentin Grimes in shots where the that are defined by the NBA as open, which is defined as the closest defender is within four to six feet. On shots that are 10 feet away or more, where Quentin Grimes is open, he's shooting from three, 27.6%. Bro, it's hard. And all field goals from the field, so twos and threes, open, he's shooting 25.8% from the field. Now, I will go for Andrew Claudio here and I will play blame pie because when something when something like that happens, when a player is forced to air his grievances or feels forced to air his grievances to the media, it is not solely there's more than just his fault. And listen, while I will hold him accountable, like you have to shoot better from three. Uh, the fact that it got to that point is a systematic failure. So. I will. I'm not going to sign. I'm not going to sign numbers, but I'm looking at the three guys on this team who have the ball in their hand the most, two of them in particular. And I'm going to look at the head coach and say, like, figure out how to get this kid going because we need him. We need him. Uh, I, I forget which one of you said it. Like, oh, it was you, Mensa. Like, this team is not going anywhere without Julius Randle. This team is not going anywhere without Quentin Grimes guarding the best defender, the best uh, guard or best best wing guy. They're not. And he did a and he did a and he did a pretty decent job on Dame on on Tuesday night. But if we need him on the court, then we have to figure out a way to get him going. And that is a collective effort from again that is the head coach and that is the guys who have the ball in their hands the most. Um, but Quentin, twenty seven percent from twenty seven percent of open threes. Is not going to cut it. It doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't matter how many. Like you got that has to be better. Um and and I'll give I'll give a shout out to uh, DJ who had a great thread. Um he 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 broke down the Milwaukee game and he pointed out a situation where 
uh, Quentin had the ball on a mini fast break and he had um, he had Brooke Lopez in front of him and he could have drove to the basket, but he immediately passed it to uh, Julius. So part of it you can say is like he's just he just is it is he just programmed to give Julius the ball or he's just not he just in his own head so much. He doesn't want to he's he's messing up. He, he's afraid he'll mess up. So he'll pass it. But like those are the things that have to improve. And that's where it comes to blame pie. But again, can't shoot 27% from wide open threes. Because again, there are guys who went to the same school who will take your, who will take your, who will show you how it was done and make you fight for your place. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I, I, I mean, <laughs> Quinn Grimes has not been playing well. Like that is, that is absolutely a factual statement. And I think everything you said, Sean is spot on as far as like blame pie and the, you know, the blame to kind of go around for it. And the fact that we're going to need him. Like, I think that's 100% true. He is our best wing defender and our best uh, two guard defender. So he's definitely going to be needed for the long-term success of, of, you know, the team in this year, at least I will say, you know, Nobody likes being the corner boy <laughs> um, in the NBA. Uh, I was listening to JJ Reddick's interview with uh, with Chris Stops, our, our old boy uh, KP, which was actually really good. I like the interview. Um, you know, KP is he's a very chill dude, so you know he seems he seems likable enough. And um, but it did come up that that both JJ and Porzingis had different points in their career where they were essentially like relegated to the corner, and they both were like yo, it sucks. Like I, you know, and JJ was even like, I get why they're doing this, but run some effing plays for me. Like, nah, <laughs> like this is not, this is not cool. Um, and obviously Grimes is not on the level of, of, of guys like JJ Redick and, and Porzingis at this point. But at the same time, I, I mean, we hear so frequently when players are kind of relegated to this role where they're in the spacing role in the offense and, and really how they help the team the most is by, by, by being in the corner and, and stretching defenses as far as they possibly can. It's tough for guys to adjust to that, especially when they're this off season, they're working on a bunch of different stuff and they're, you know, they're doing other kinds of drills and it's just like, now I'm just spotted up here and I'm not able to kind of show off anything that I've done. And there does feel like there's a ton of pressure on every shot that goes up. So I can empathize with, with Grimes. Like I get why it's difficult at the same time. He needs to make more shots. He needs to be more aggressive. He needs to just have a better mindset going into it. Like you, you mentioned, Sean, it's like when it, when it's that moment when it's like Julius is there and you're, and you're just like, Oh, let me just give it back to Julius. Like we, we can't be doing that. We got to be more aggressive and more assertive and just, just go down, you know, go, don't go down without a fight. And, and the last thing I want to say is just like, it, I always think of the, uh, the, the, the stuff that Jeremy Lin was talking about when, when he got inserted and it's like, you know, my, my NBA career could be coming to an end here. And, you know, he had playing time and it's just like, 
I'm going to play my game and I'm going to just go all out and I'm going to be aggressive. And if, if, if it flops, then, you know, I'm out of here anyway. Like, you know, and obviously Grimes is not at that point, but I do think there's something to that mindset where it's like, play your game, do what you know, you've practiced and what you do well, do it aggressively, do it assertively. It may not work all the time, but that's the best way that you're going to impact winning and help this team win. So I just, I just, I, I think I just need to see that mentality shift from Grimes. And I think that's what he can do on his end. Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, long gone are the days of Tony Allen and Andre Roberson. Quentin Grimes can needs to shoot the ball. And I believe he needs to be involved. Like this is a guy that like I was I was scathing hot watching the New York Knicks first half game plan. But you know, before I mean, look, the Milwaukee Bucks shot, like Sean said, a free throw percentage from three, which is crazy. So there was no way we were gonna win the game with them shooting that with them shooting that great. A and lot not, of that not was, the worst free throw shooter percentage. <laughs> yeah, like like RJ Barrett last year. <laughs> it was it was insane watching them shoot. Um so there was, we probably weren't going to win the game anyway, but we were letting Dame Lillard. It was, it was like the, the Atlanta series from two years ago, all over again, where they just parked Trey young on Reggie Bullock. And he got to take water breaks every time down the court. We did nothing to involve Dame Lillard in the actions because Quentin Grimes was literally Bodie from the wire, just standing in the corner the entire time. And I know um, DJ and Benji, these guys, they know so much more about like the actual film breakdown and what it takes to be excellent at the NBA level. And they, they have been pointing out little flaws in Quentin Grimes game. Like maybe he's not a great movement shooter, you know, all these things. And that's, that's good and well. A hundred percent. But if you're going to be a starting shooting guard in the NBA and you as a coach are going to say, this is my starting shooting guard in the NBA. Then when Dame Lillard is on the court and he is very likely to tear you up and he did tear us up because when Quentin Grimes sat down at two minutes and 15 seconds left in the game, from that point on, Dame Lillard scored. 10 points to end the half. So in two minutes and 15 seconds, Dame scored 10 points because Quentin Grimes was off the court. So we need this guy on the court, right? But you can't let a player like Dame Lillard rest. And we saw it doubly so because they were killing Jalen Brunson off the ball. They made him guard Malik Beasley. He had to close out. He was working for everything on defense and he wasn't the most efficient player on offense last night but we decided that we were going to let Dame Lillard do whatever do absolutely nothing on defense because we didn't want to involve Quentin Grimes and one thing I was saying like look if Quentin Grimes isn't going to shoot the ball then get him out the game and put in Emmanuel quickly or put in Dante DiVincenzo but I get it he's we need his defense but if you're going to need his defense then you have to get his offense going otherwise you're playing four on five Right. You're playing four and five on defense. And then the other guys, a guy like Dame Lillard, who the game plan is go put him on Quentin Grimes, make Quentin Grimes run around. There's a reason why a guy like um, Clay Thompson or a guy like Ray Allen, and these are all time great shooters. So I don't think I'm comparing Quentin Grimes to these all time great shooters. But what made them so great, even a guy like Rip Hamilton back on the um, the mid um Pistons. Movement, 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 movement. JJ Redick, movement, movement, movement. Because you can't rest. I don't care if Quentin Grimes doesn't take a shot. I want him running around the court all the damn game because that's how Dame Lillard is gonna is gonna not have those shooting legs in the fourth quarter and the third quarter. Again, it didn't matter last night. 
it did not because they were shooting everything. They were on fire, but it's the process that we can take away from in these games, even in a game where we were hopeless. You can look at the game and say, that is something that is troubling as a trend and we need to do something about it because you can't let teams have their best players rest on defense. You have to involve them in the actions. And whether it's Quentin Grimes' inability to, to convert the ball, whether it's his unwillingness to shoot something, you have to get that kid going because like Fred Katz and everybody likes to say, he has 40% three-point um, shooting form. He has the form. He can do it. It's just we haven't seen it yet. And as for, for him to be a young player, for me, so I've been as patient as I was and still am with R.J. Barrett. I have to be just as patient with Quentin Grimes and I have to be just as patient with Emmanuel quickly. But one thing I will say is that when... Everything was against a guy like Cam Reddish, who we still give shit in Knicks land. Cam Reddish never said anything in the press. When everything was against a guy like RJ Barrett and all these players, right? They never gave us that hot button comment the way that Quentin Grimes just gave us, which to me, I think all these guys are media trained. I think the New York Knicks draft guys who are smart enough not to say stuff like that. So there probably is a little bit more underneath the surface with regards to Quentin Grimes situation, or maybe he just was frustrated and had a moment in an elimination game, which is fair, but it is something that bears watching. I think that especially in a season like this one where everybody knows like the longer it takes for the Knicks to make the star trade, everybody knows the star trade is coming inside the building and outside the building. So it does bear watching when guys are unhappy. It does bear watching when guys are underperforming. So the Quinn Graham situation, something I'm going to continue to have my eyes on until it resolves itself, whether that be with him playing well, whether that be with him signing an extension, whether that be with him being traded to another team. I'm like, he's officially on watch and I hate it has to be him. This entire segment has broken my heart because those all three of those guys are my guys. But it is what it is, man. You know, we're 20 games into the season and here at Knicks Film School, we're going to chronicle the season as it rolls. So this is just where we are. These guys are not having good seasons right now. They're not having a good stretch of games. So we got to talk about it. Yeah, I think that's all extremely well said. Uh, you know, it is a kind of sad that, you know, the three guys that we brought up are the Knicks 23 and 24 year old, uh, you know, highly touted prospects that we all uh, we all three have high hopes for. And I, and I just want to say, I think that we're, none of us are you know, definitely none of us are jumping off the bandwagon for any of these three players. I think we, we all three know that they can bounce back and that they'll play better. Um, and I fully believe that 100% for all three players. So I, none of this is like, you know, we're done with these guys. It's just, it's just being real about kind of the, the, the situation that's been going on recently. Um, and yeah, I think, I think it was all really well said. Um, but to maybe a much more, uh, optimistic and uplifting segment, we are going to close out casual Friday. Friday with our bold predictions. I'm going to kick us off with our, with my bold prediction. Um, the Knicks next three games are against Boston, Toronto, and Utah. My bold prediction is that in one of these three games, Emmanuel quickly, the aforementioned struggling Emmanuel quickly, um, at least offensively will drop a highly efficient 30 points against one of those three teams. Listen, we have seen Emmanuel quickly shooting be extremely uh, streaky over the years. He has a huge variance on his shooting in terms of cold streaks and hot streaks. You know, he might shoot 38% on the season, but then, you know, depending on what sample of games you watch, you might come away thinking like he's a way worse shooter or a way better shooter than he is. Like if you only catch the, the, the hot Emmanuel quickly games, you're like, 
that guy is one of the best three-point shooters in the league. And if you only catch the cold Emmanuel quickly games, you're like, that guy should not be shooting. He should just be passing the ball and trying to attack the interior. But despite that streakiness, I, I mean, I've always hoped that that's something that would kind of clear up as he got, as you know, he, he continued across his career. I think we're still seeing some of that, but I do expect a hot streak to bounce back. He's kind of had a, a cold streak over the last several games. And I think over the next three, one of those, he's going to be hot. He's going to play a bunch of minutes and he's going to take over. And ideally it's against Boston because I would love to see that. <laughs> um, but I think it's going to be one of those three games. I think we're going to see a huge offensive output game from Emmanuel quickly. And my hope is that kind of his defensive impact comes along with that. And one thing sparks and leads to the other. And uh, yeah, so that's what I think is going to happen. That's my bold prediction. Um, my uh, bold prediction will be that. Um, and it's going to be this is very bold because I actually Knowing who my head coach is, I don't know what's going to happen, but Isaiah Hardenstein will play more minutes than Mitchell Robinson against the Celtics on Friday because it's great if Chris Dubs plays, which it looks like he will. Um, stretch fives have always been an issue for Mitch, and no team personifies that issue more than this Celtics team who like to play five out. Um, and I think that the 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 solve for this because we already played them twice. And oh, and shout out to everyone who's whining about us to play the five times. I do like what my man, what my, what my man Bree says and laced up up. Um, yeah, I think iHeart may play. I think for against that, against this Celtics team, iHeart may be the team, the person who has to play more than Mitch because of how Mitch struggles with stretch with stretch big. So my bold prediction is that on Friday, iHeart uh, has more minutes than Mitchell Robinson. A good bold prediction. My bold prediction is going to be that. Yeah, I'm going to go for it. Um, a player other than Quentin Grimes will start at shooting guard for the New York Knicks in the next Whoa. three games. And it will not be because of injury. Wow. That's you know, a scorching take. That. But I was like, nah, but hey, power, more power to you because I had like, to go for something. <laughs> I wouldn't be me if I would not, if I didn't have a very bold prediction. Um, by the way, guys, who do you think it's going to be if you had to guess? Emmanuel quickly. Wow. I think, I think they'll start quick. I think it'd be Devo. I mean, we've seen DiVincenzo get the starting job, but I think that Emmanuel quickly's, how do I put it? I think Emmanuel Quickly's necessity to the second unit has been cut down because he's now in the seventh man role, not the sixth man role. Josh Hart is officially the sixth man. Um, I think that they like having the Villanova Knicks play together. I think Josh Hart, um, Isaiah Hardenstein, and Dante DiVincenzo play really well together. And Emmanuel Quickly is the one who is in the contract year. Emmanuel quickly is the one who can give, especially because RJ has been struggling. Emmanuel quickly can give you a second ball handler can do a little bit more and doesn't necessarily need the ball in his hands. Like he's going to shoot that thing regardless, you know? Um, and he's, so the reason why, and here's the big reason why that I'm going with quickly over DiVincenzo, because if you want to get stops, <laughs> you can't have you can't have Brunson and DiVincenzo together. You need somebody to play defense there. And I think that Emmanuel quickly um 
needs to can show that he can take over that point of attack role for uh, Quentin Grimes a lot better than DiVincenzo can. So I think that in the next three games, we will see an Emmanuel quickly start at shooting guard. I love the take because I think that the most much maligned, and I, I know you're, you agree with this, Mensa, because you, you've talked about this before. The most much maligned idea for the Knicks in terms of like who could start, who should start is the Brunson quickly backcourt idea. And I, I, you know, a ton of people, and I think it's probably the majority opinion is that that's too small a backcourt to start and to be the Knicks real starting backcourt kind of like in this season and moving forward for the future. But, you know, as I, as I'm prone to say, the data doesn't support that perspective. <laughs> the data shows that when quickly and Brunson are on the court, and I looked at it recently, it's o- over the last two years, almost 2,500 possessions the Knicks are plus like 12 over 2,500 possessions in all uh, possessions where quickly and Brunson um, share the court. And I think that might be the best two man um, on off uh, net rating of any two players on the Knicks. So I, I just don't think that the, that any data supports the idea that those two couldn't start. I think I mean, we have a lot of theories about it, like they'd be too small. They don't have a point of attack defender, uh, you know, that they, they would both get kind of picked on by offenses that have bigger guards, whatever the case may be. There's nothing that supports that that happening. I mean, I, for me, it's like I want to see it and then I'll say, all right, yeah, you're right. That that happens. But we haven't. So and we've seen them play together for twenty five hundred possessions over the course of two years. So I, 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 I would I would like to see it. But, you know, I think that's a bold take. It'll be interesting to see if it happens. Yeah, um, I. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just like I, you know. I'm thinking about. I'm just thinking about uh, a, a Mensa is a rent due Tibbs versus rent paid Tibbs, and I think Tibbs's rent has been paid. So I don't. I feel like like I feel, and that's why I think my prediction is bold prediction because I think the rent is paid. Um, I don't think he's there. I don't think Tibbs is there yet. Oh, but you never know. Stranger things have happened. Stranger things have happened. Um, and we will see if our, if, if any of our bold predictions come true. Um, hopefully at least one of them does. And when I say one of them, I mean where Emmanuel quickly drops 30 on the Boston Celtics. <laughs> um, yes, yeah. So I, that was our final segment. You know, thank you all so much for joining us for another episode of casual Friday. We, I know I can speak for, for my two co-hosts here when I say we're so happy to be back. It was a little bit of a layoff, but we're super happy to be back. Um, and yeah, just big shout out to all of KFS. You know, everybody on the staff on the roster has been killing it again. Uh, the quality of the film threads on Twitter by by Benji and DJ have been unparalleled. You know, every pod has been super dope and, you know, including ours, I'll say. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we're just, we're just, we're just crushing and super happy to be back. Anything you guys want to say? Last words. Um, from my family, <laughs> it's crazy how, how life changes, but yes, from my family to yours, uh, I want to wish everybody um a great end of the year. We got what, 24 more days left. I hope that everybody hits their goals, whether it be at work, personal, whatever it is, that everybody has a happy holiday season. If you're not celebrating the holidays and I hope that you have just a happy month and that, you know, the Knicks look this month, look at that schedule. It's going to be a little rough. So um, hopefully the Knicks can contribute to that happiness. But if not, let's always remember that, you know, life comes first and that, 
whether or not the Knicks are playing well, I hope that you have happiness because my life has been filled with happiness the past couple of weeks. And I just want everybody to have even a, a smidget of the same joy that I've had. So for my family to yours out there, thank you guys and have a happy end of the year. <laughs> Um, I echo all those sentiments. Um, and for me to the Knicks fans out there, listen, 12 of our first 34 games at home. So include we have another we have a five game road trip coming up. Now, one of those games. Now, one of those games, the last game is at Brooklyn. Um, so that's technically not a road game because, you know, how, you know how we do over there. But um, once we get past this hellacious schedule and shout out to the NBA for uh, the Knicks will only play 40 home games this year because of the in-season tournament, which I'm still in favor of, but they got to figure it out next year. But listen, um, we're in a, like, we're like through this hellacious schedule, the Knicks are on pace on 49 games. So um, just hold tight. We'll be all right. Everything will be fine. And um, don't listen to people on four letter networks who leave basketball games early. So if they're, favorite team because um they had no confidence in the first place because they don't because he doesn't think we have any stars <laughs> another shout out for 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 a certain person on a four-letter network um yeah i i, I echo all of those sentiments i think all that is super well said uh yeah this is a great great show uh great another edition of a casual friday and we will catch you next time mm-hmm.